Welcome to Dig In, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. Every week, we interview founders, marketers, and researchers from innovative brands to learn how they're approaching their role and their category in a clever way. Welcome back to Dig In. Um, this this time, we've got someone internal to Dig Insights with us. Uh, Joel, our EVP of Advanced Analytics, is joining us. We're going to chat AI today. Joel, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Megan? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I was just saying I was at SMR this week, so this week feels particularly long. I'm sure also because of the uh, post-conference dinners and drinks that were attended. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a pretty pretty busy week. I'm excited to chat to you today. Great. Me too. So before we jump into um, talking about AI and how it's being leveraged, can you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and your background? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I lead the advanced <laughs> analytics team at, at Dig. Uh, I've been here for almost 10 years now. It'll be 10 years in a few months. And, um, and so I've seen, you know, been through a lot here, seen a lot and, um, and helped develop a lot of different, uh, aspects and kind of, um, you know, I used to, used to do a lot of tech and and analytics and, um, innovation. And, uh, and now I've sort of found the niche in, um, in leading analytics and, and continuing to develop proof of concept innovation type work that we can then, uh, take to scale within our organization and then scale externally to, to uh, other uh, clients and 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 whatnot, so we can, you know, bring it even higher scale. And how did you end up in analytics? Sure. Yeah. So coming out of, uh, you know, always, always been good at math, sort of good at technology, um, and 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 love pushing the boundaries of innovation, and uh, and then, you know, fortunately found Dig after after a few jobs in market research and looking for uh, a company that's really entrepreneurial and willing to listen to new ideas and willing to take risks and spend some money on, on developing new um, innovation ideas and, and whatnot. And, and, you know, I found, found a great place with dig and, uh, and then since then I've, so right now I'm taking a master's in applied AI, which I found extremely, um, extremely interesting and, and eye opening on, you know, all the different, all the different things that we can use AI for, uh, you know, the lots of industries are using AI and it's very buzzworthy, uh, very much a buzzword, but I would say yeah. my, my opinion is it's actually further along than most people think. Um, I think the applications are, you know, very wide. And, um, and I think, you know, a lot of people have this perception that it's going to be scary and there's going to be you know, robots taking over our lives. And I don't think we're anywhere near general intelligence, artificial general intelligence, but I think that we are, uh, the applications are not keeping up to speed with the, the latest developments in, in AI. And I think that there's, right. there's a lot of ways that we can uh, take advantage of that. Can you explain that to someone like me who works in marketing? And like, when you say that they're further along, then maybe we think they are. The applications can't keep up with the advancements. Like, is there an example you can give me of what you mean by that? Yeah, for sure. So I would say, um, you know, I, I think a good example is autonomous vehicles. Um, a lot of people have this perception that, like, you know, if you look at uh, various companies that are doing it, um, 
there's, there's kind of two strategies that people are approaching it with. One being um, a lot of companies are, are using LIDAR, uh, which is lasers on top of the cars to detect exactly where to go and where curbs are and where you can't drive. And, um, and, and, and in those cases, they're very limited on geography because they have to have high-definition maps and whatnot. And then Tesla's taking a totally different approach, and, uh, and Comma.ai is also sort of following in their footsteps or doing the same approach, which is to go completely uh, AI-based with, uh, with neural networks to really sort of mimic the human brain on, on actions and choices that a, a human driver would make. And Tesla's kind of taken the, um, the bold step of, of not using traditional, not using sensors that every other company and, you know, every other organization is doing for autonomous driving. And they're basically they're taking the, they're making this like multi-billion dollar bet um, that they can solve it through vision only. And, um, and, and so far, you know, not everybody's tracked along with autonomous vehicles, but they're, you can drive almost anywhere with very little intervention. It's not going to be perfect. It's kind of like driving beside a 16 year old who is learning to drive, uh, but it works. And <laughs> it's shocking. It's shocking that it works. Yeah. And it's, yeah. So that's a good example, I think. Oh, that's really cool. Um, yeah. What's the most, I mean, that's a really exciting opportunity in AI, like the way it's being leveraged. Do you have any other things that you're really excited about outside of market research um, that you've kind of seen happening? Maybe you learned about it in your master's or um, anything like that you can share? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of, you know, there's sort of two main branches. And and, and by the way, I should define AI just for, you know, make sure we're all kind of all on the same page here. But yes, please there's do. There's two, two broad definitions of AI, you know, one one sort of traditional definition, really more used in academic circles and whatnot, and less colloquially, is is to talk about you know this anything that's an automated system, whether it's really smart AI or just rule based learning, uh, rule based systems, um, and so that's kind of older and it would include any type of automation or machine learning, um, and it's not really that exciting of a definition. And um, a lot of companies are doing automation in some form, like who doesn't do automation, right? And so the AI that I'm more, that kind of is more the focus of this conversation is, um, uh, I think it's what people colloquially often talk about or think about when they say AI, but basically it's like neural networks, like artificial neural networks that are are kind of designed to mimic the human brain. And they have almost unlimited capacity uh, to learn. And they're they're really only bottlenecked by things like the amount of data and the quality of the data. And and then, you you know, we can get into specific AI architectures that we're, we're not going to talk about in detail here, but, uh, and there's, this is where all the excitement's <laughs> about, and that's kind of what I wanted to focus on here. Cool. Okay. No, that's, that's really helpful actually, just understanding the way that the two, um, are defined. So in terms of, and, and obviously the Tesla example, that's more on the neural mimicking neural the human brains on yeah. that side, correct? Exactly. That's right. And yes. then and okay, to expand cool. on that. A tiny bit further too is like within, you know, there's kind of two large branches within the the neural network side too, like the you know what I'm calling the the sort of sexy version of AI, and uh, and then I would say that kind of falls into like computer vision, which is the the Tesla autonomous vehicle driving because it has to it has to look like a human using our sort of mimicking our eyes, and then the, another big branch is natural language processing, which is kind of like using our our ears and our mouth to really understand and use language. And that's more of the focus that, you know, that we do with dig and with, um, and, uh, and, and using that, you know, 
there's a ton of applications that we can use to take advantage of the latest progress in natural language processing. Very cool. Um, so if we bring the conversation of AI, like if we contextualize it within market research, where do you think the biggest opportunities are to leverage AI within market research? Yeah, I think, you know, broadly speaking, I would say natural language processing, which is just a, a you know, a huge umbrella term. Um, yeah. And, and then within there, there's all kinds of applications, whether we're talking about, um, you know, the tr- traditional Traditional applications would be things like sentiment analysis and, and verbatim coding uh, to read raw text that people write in unprompted in a survey. And uh, and I think, you know, there's some excitement there, but that's also sort of tradi- more traditional and 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 uh, and less exciting. And the more recent advances allow for things like um, abstractive summarization of open ended. So what that refers to is you can get AI to read, you know, a whole book. Or, or you know, read 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 various articles and then and summarize them. You know, using completely new, uh, like writing its own language. Not, I mean, still English, but writing in unique sentences and not not just copying and, and extracting um, sentences from it. And and that's pretty exciting. So, right. there's applications for for our questions there too. So, in that case, then basically, what you're saying is. If someone was responding to an open-ended question on a survey, like on Upside, say, um, the AI could be used to kind of synthesize all of the different um, responses and kind of pull out the key learnings or key points of view or opinions. Is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. So it can, it can, you know, instead okay. of traditionally what market researchers often do is they get you know, someone, they call it a human coder to read through everything and then come up with themes. So you might say, you know, a lot of people, you know, 30% say flavor and then 25% say, you know, their, their position and, you know, their environmental position and, and other things like that, you know, if they're answering a question and writing an unprompted text, and then you can get an AI to, to, to read everything, you know, and then very quickly, like automatically very, very fast and just summarize all of that. And, um, and and just write write a you know whether it's bullet point list or paragraph form or whatever you can kind of ask it to do any any format and and summarize that text to do the same same type of thing and do it in seconds. Very cool. So yeah, we talked about um, natural language processing, text summarization, um, automated verbatim coding. Um, Anything in like the output side, like in terms of um, like writing reports or key findings, sure. are you seeing anything in that space? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we can we can be doing things like um, you know writing insights based on a slide or or, or producing slides with automation, other mm-hmm. forms of automation. Um, another exciting area that we're, we're we're doing proof of concept working work with as well is uh, is idea generation. And so with Upside, as you know, we do a lot of work in testing our clients' ideas and, um, and to be able to extend that a step even further earlier in the, in the life cycle for our clients would be to say, you know, you give us some, some sort of things that you're working on, you know, we can, we can, we can write down, we can get our clients to write down, you know, what they, what the product, you know, if, if they want to test claims for a product 
and they can say, you know, these are the things we want to make sure that we are touching on trust and reliability and, and like they can give us some adjectives like that. And then we can get the AI to write a bunch of different taglines or claims that the client could make. And we could, and they can, the AI can do it market specific and geography specific, you know, whether that's in, you know, in the US or Canada or, or, you know, UK, anywhere. And it'll, it'll be able to pull in different aspects of those geographies and, and, um, and local variations as well. Yeah. And to contextualize this further, like I'm really uh, familiar with the idea generation function because Joel essentially pulled me into a meeting, uh, with one of our founders and was like, you cannot do all of these, these cool things. I didn't even realize that your team was working through so much of this. Um, so we actually used the idea generation um, tech, like the, the AI for that, we used it in one of our marketing studies because, um, I needed to come up with 20 different chocolate bar flavors and 20 different potential hamburger flavors. Um, and I think it took like two seconds or something. Yeah. <laughs> like it was so fast. Um, it was crazy in terms of how quickly you could get it back. And it was really interesting. Like, I had never thought of any of those ideas. Um, I think one of the, one of the ideas was like a s'mores, s'mores cheeseburger. So I understand why I didn't think of that, but, um, uh, but a few of the others, I was like, "Mm, that sounds pretty tasty. Um, And yeah, they were brand new, really cool ideas. So if anyone wanted to contextualize, like, what does that actually mean? If I'm doing idea screening or anything like that, like this idea generation tool can actually kind of act almost like another member of the team um, when it comes to coming up with new ideas. Um, So yeah, it was super, super cool. I think at a broad, at a high level, Um, the way I try to explain it, sorry to cut you off, is to to think of it as basically if you can explain to a, a human what you're looking for, you can, like in natural language, just with regular uh, you know, not a computer code or anything special. We can, we can, we can get, we can give that same instruction to the to to an AI, and it can respond like a human would. And 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 so the sort of the secret sauce is in you know how much, what type of con- uh, context you give it, and and do you want to like, do you really want to fine tune it, and 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 you know give it do do extra training on a bunch of examples, and then get it to really you know, drill into that framework, you know, if that might make sense, if you're really going um, very narrow into a specific domain where you want it to really take advantage of context specific information, um, then you can, you can, you can give it all that background and then say, now give me these ideas, you know, like this is an, I, this is an up and coming pro, uh, category where it's taking advantage of these trends. Like you, the more background you give it, the more, the more it goes, okay, now I'm kind of starting up here and you get narrow, narrow, narrow. Now I really understand the kind of examples or the kind of, things that you might want to take it or, or, or the kind of output that you want to get out. And then it can get really hyper-specific with that and, and give you really rich results. Yeah, it's really, it's so cool. And also so far from my area of expertise, um, but it's just fascinating in terms of what you kind of are coming up with within your team. I think it's probably actually worth us talking about the way that, um, I don't know the way that you work with the other teams within DIG. Um, you guys are almost like a, uh, like a, an innovation hub, I guess. Um, I don't know how to, it's almost like a squad within the company where you're coming up with 
brand new um, potential use cases for analytics and um, different ways of, of looking at data. Um, can you talk about kind of the process of like how you figure out what you're working on? Um, obviously, that sits outside of the client projects that you have all the time. For sure. Yeah. So, so as you, as you kind of touched on at the end too, my team does a combination of client project work and an innovation and proof of concept development. And, um, and so that really allows us to really stay on the cutting edge or stay, stay sort of up to date and track along with what clients are looking for and what they're, um, what they're asking us for. And, and also like how we can solve their problems, maybe not directly exactly what they're asking for, but really get at the, the question behind the question in a way. And, um, and so that's the kind of stuff that we work on in terms of, uh, project work. And then while we're doing that, we kind of, you know, have, have always maintained, you know, we've grown the team more than we need to in terms of project work so that we can focus on our development innovation at the same time, because that's really where a lot of the, you know, that that's really where we can help grow the company and, and build value, build value for our clients and speed up projects and do more automation and, and develop new techniques and everything is, uh, is, is when we can, when we can actually spend our time doing our, our development and innovation. And so that's kind of what we do. And then we work with other teams internally, you know, we develop a proof of concept type of idea and then prove it out, put it in PowerPoint, show it to the team, show it to our internal stakeholders and say, and get feedback. And then we can say, okay, so this is like what we've developed. So how do we take this to the next level? Or, you know, maybe we have eight ideas recently did this with AI and had came up with about eight ideas. And we said, well, what can we, what can we really build out and where, do we, where is it worth investing more uh, time and energy and resources into? And, 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 and then, so then we start working with other teams to say, okay, now we got a, you know, this is the proof of concept at a very high, you know, 30,000 foot level. Now we want to drill down into like these two ideas because we want to actually put them into our, our platform. We want to build them out maybe internally first where we can automate so that anyone on our internal, you know, the 200 people that work at dig, today could use it. And then we say, then how do we bring it to our clients and, and really scale it up even further? So we kind of work with different teams to do each of those parts, but that's uh, that's kind of an overview of how we work. And how do you decide, you know, you talked about the process of kind of like whittling down the list of, you know, where do we want to spend our time? I've always worked in tech companies where the product teams will do things like ice scoring or like um, it's based on impact and effort for the development team. And I know that on the product side with Upside, we do do quite a bit of that. Um, how do you gauge whether or not you're going to take ideas forward? Is it based on how interesting something is to you know senior leadership? Is it based on, I'm sure it's based on lots of things, but yeah, what's the process there of figuring out what um, has to wait and what kind of gets pushed along the quickest. Yeah, for sure. So for me, I kind of work on what I think will be, um, you know, useful to the organization and what I think that we can kind of crank out and, and build a proof of concept around um, with our like current, like with our, our capabilities and, 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 you know, it, you know, extending beyond our capabilities, obviously too, with, with the, um, with everything that we're doing. And then, and then once we've kind of got some proof of concepts, then we talk internally with different stakeholders and say, uh, we kind of have this voting process that you're probably familiar with where we look at, you know, what is, what does everybody think will be, um, how impactful will it be uh, to our platform and, and, you know, how much effort will be, will it be to, 
to build out further and um, and do we think complications will come up along the way as we as we scale it up and and that kind of thing so we kind of have this you know everybody kind of gives in their opinions and we sort of have this sort of wisdom of crowds uh, way of deciding okay that's really cool um, is there anything that we're working on internally that you feel like you can mention um, that might be coming out you know in the next year or so that you're super excited about um feel like i've kind of touched on some of the some of the main stuff but i think you know there's a lot there's a lot that we can do with um with the latest large language models uh and um and i think i think idea generation is really exciting i think summarizing um our our open-ended verbatims is really exciting uh, i guess one thing that i would add too is that like you know some of the work that I've been doing just in the last, you know, month or so has been on, you know, can we do, you know, cause it's great if we come up with a whole bunch of new ideas, but if, if clients aren't adopting them at the rate that we, you know, think naturally makes sense, then, you know, sometimes, sometimes they, 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 their stakeholders are looking for the results in terms of X, Y, Z traditional metrics and whatnot. And so, yeah. One of those tradition, traditional metrics that we talked about that I mentioned earlier was uh, thematic coding for raw verbatims, unprompted um, responses to questions. And, um, and so I, mm-hmm. I said, well, how, how can we take that framework and not change it, but sort of make our AI work within that framework? And what I found we can do is with some, you know, some sort of, sophisticated analysis and 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 pipelines we can we can we can we can build a fine-tuned large language model by by taking you know some example themes so if someone can go through and then code a relatively small number of themes that might take them you know five or ten minutes then then we can take that and then we can seed that into our our algorithm and then let it learn from there and then and then propagate that to the rest of the, the rest of the raw data and, and, and then come up with how, you know, maybe they give us a, a fairly small number of, you know, and, and associate, you know, these various comments with these themes. And then we can take that and then predict it into the rest of the, the whole, you know, a thousand respondents and then get those results, you know, very quickly again, you know, in, in seconds or minutes. Um, and so that's kind of an exciting area. I mean, it's it's exciting because you know that I'm 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 just I'm all, I'm constantly shocked at how accurate the model can do and how how it can learn on just such little data. But I'm also it's it's less exciting because I, I like the stuff that's like really game changing and 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 not necessarily fitting into the traditional market research section. So there's kind of you know I like to work on both both sides of those. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, you kind of touched on it there, but. Um, with the idea generation tool, like how good are the, how good are the outputs? Um, do you find typically that they're, I mean, I found them to be, to be quite good, but you probably have done four more tests than I have. Um, do you feel like they're, they produce a good assortment of ideas? Yeah, for sure. I mean, they, we can get, um, we can get it to be as specific as we want it to be as we give it more and more information, like I was talking about before. And we found that, you know, 
we've we, we've actually tested them in, in upside in, in an idea score where we where we where we take some some of our clients' ideas and uh, and we did a demo with some of our clients' ideas and then put in some AI driven ideas and some of the AI ideas actually outperformed like the clients' ideas and so you know it's pretty it's pretty incredible wow. if we can we can we can get it to generate those ideas and then validate them with real respondents and then find that they, you know, some of them actually outperforming. And so, you know, there's a number of ways you could yeah. take this, you know, for example, you could always throw in a, a handful of AI generated ideas based on the rest of the content and then just test it within, you know, I don't think, you know, that's, that would be something I would love to do. I don't think our, our product team is going to be, you know, doing that anytime soon. It's, it's uh, kind of taking a step in a, going a bit out there, but I, I, you know, I would love to do that kind of thing because I think, you know, just adding value without really, you know, costing the client anything. And then maybe we do generate a new idea that, it, that they wouldn't have thought of otherwise. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, and also like such a compelling reason to leverage AI as a client. If you know that ideas are that are generated by the AI are actually outperforming the ones that you've kind of brainstormed internally, um, that does kind of lead me though. I mean, I feel like we can't really talk about AI without talking about people's perception of AI or what it might do to their jobs or, um, yeah, to the way that businesses function these days. I mean, when it comes to AI in your mind, should people be concerned about it kind of replacing them um, within the world of market research? Or does it just mean that, you know, some people are focusing on different things? Like what's your, what's your uh, viewpoint on that? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, my, my take on that is as we've come as, as our industrialized societies come up with more and more tools and more technologies to make our life easier, you know, we have not had, jobs just fall off the just fall away we've 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 often seen new jobs because as our as our um, productivity increases the need and the demand increases as well and so i don't have any concerns with that um and i think that i think that the jobs will not be going away i mean i think there's kind of like a short-term and a long-term look and you know i'd love to have a crystal ball and tell you what it's going to look like 20 years from now but it's you know very very hard to say long long term like that but and uh, i don't really see massive shifts happening um in the short term at least because you know I, even i think ai is farther along than people think in terms of like how we can use it today but i don't think that it's near general general intelligence and, and that's really where you know people might have cause cause to if if we can just train an ai or a thousand yeah. ais to build to build each other. And then, you know, it, it just gets out of hand, obviously, but that's no, we're nowhere near at that point. And, and I think historically, whenever we look at new innovation and new developments and um, things like that, we're not seeing, um, you know, it's often creating more jobs than, than go away. Yeah. I mean, that is good to know. <laughs> Makes me feel as someone, you know, talking to someone who knows a lot about this, this kind of stuff. It's good. It's good to know because it's, um, yeah, a little bit, a little bit comforting when you hear about how sophisticated some of some of the AI that you're that you're talking about is. I mean, to close out because we're almost out of time here. Um, where do you think, like, what in two to three years' time, what do you think will be the norm when it comes to um, 
it, it doesn't even have to be in market research. It could be in market research, but then also externally, like the norm when it comes to how AI is integrated into our day to day or into market research tools, like what will, what would, um, what would be strange now, but won't be strange then, I guess is what I'm trying to ask. Yeah. A good question. I mean, things like, you know, people are using digital assistants already, you know, in, in our everyday lives, like Siri and Alexa, and, yeah. um, you know, Google and, and whatnot. And, um, and I think those are, those are incredible. And I think they're, vastly sort of underutilized or not. I mean, I think those are limited based on we, we haven't talked ethics yet, uh, you know, and I don't think we have time because it's a huge, it's a huge topic, mm. but I think, I think the ethics are really, um, and rightfully so, but ethic, ethical considerations are holding AI back to a considerable degree and, and, and rightfully so. In fact, I have, you know, there's a lot of a, a lot of uh, considerations. Nothing's nothing's insurmountable. I don't think at all. But it's it's just important to make sure we get it right. And um, but I can I can definitely see once we've had more uh, more resources put into the ethics side of things, um, and I think that's a lacking area. Like I just said, once we've had more resources put into that as kind of an overall AI industry, I think we'll start to get more. Um, we'll be able to develop new products like a digital assistant that can do a wide, a wide, wide, a wide variety of things. Like right now, if you ask Siri to do X, Y, Z, you know, it can do fairly templated things. Um, but I definitely think that we can take that a bigger step further in the future. And, and I think that that's something that will probably evolve faster than other aspects uh, or at least touch people's everyday lives. You know, that, I mean, I already talked about autonomous vehicles, which I think are, are coming sooner than people think too. Um, I mean, it's pending regulatory approval and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think, I think digital assistants are an area right for innovation to continued innovation. Okay. You can't tease that and then leave us hanging. So when you talk about ethics um, within AI, like you said, there's loads of things to consider. Try and give us a Coles Notes version. What should what are people considering, and why is AI being held back um, because of ethics? Sure. I mean, I think so. Right now, like, there's a lot of language. You know, I talked a lot about natural language processing, and an example would be, you know, when you when you train uh, an AI to learn how to read and write, for lack of you know better colloquial terms, um, then it, it reads based on what it, it learns based on what the information that we give it. And so when you give it the internet, there's a whole bunch of stuff on the internet that is, um, you know, cause if you're giving digital right. text, the, the internet is obviously the place to go. Um, we also digitize books and Wikipedia and, and other curated sources and, and then do our, and then, you know, and, and so anyway, it's learning from uh, the way people speak. And, and often when, when you look at how, you know, when when companies like OpenAI and Google and Amazon create these large language models, they they test it for how it learns to treat different people groups and and whatnot. And just a really simple example is when you tell it, like when you test it by saying you you type in he was very, and then you say dot 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 and fill in the blank, and then you you're 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 telling it you know he as a male was very, and then it says things like you know tall and um, and and lazy and and there's just interesting 
you know, pro, you know, positive and negative connotation and adjectives that it uses to describe uh, a man versus a woman. And so there's really big considerations right. on, on how you apply that type of, um, you know, AI so that it, because if you have just, you know, anyone's, um, anyone's kind of like writing a book, you'd say you use an AI to write a book. You don't want it to sort of propagate all these, all these sort of negative aspects of humanity that it's learned in the, in the, in the process. And so that's, that's a, that's a big consideration. Um, other, that, that's kind of a well-known consideration that everybody's talking about. And I think another interesting example that I've been thinking about lately too, you know, I just got on Spotify from Apple music. I, I you know, I'm a late, I'm a late switcher and, um, and now I'm on Spotify and I'm finding <laughs> that the recommendations are incredible. Like the, like, uh, you know, I'll put on some music that I really yeah. like, and then it'll come up with new recommendations based on that. And it's AI driven. But what I found is that it's driving, it, it knows that I want to listen to, you know, let's say I'm listening to a band and then it says, okay, well now, you know, we're going to recommend a collaboration between the band that you're listening to and another band that's beside it. And and on face value, there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not taking a huge stand and saying there's something wrong with that, except in, in a way I am, because what it's doing is it's causing a, a problem to creativity, because then what you have is it learns that, okay, well, if you iterate instead of making leaps, instead of, you know, a new genre, it's going to continually iterate within and, and could, there's potential for it to stagnate because right. it says, it says, oh, I found that like, if I keep feeding you this type of stuff, it's the same idea as echo chambers in, in social media, when you get onto Facebook and Instagram and, and all these things, right. You, you get, you just turn into this echo chamber because it finds that, oh, well, you really like the same type of content that you're continuing looking at. And then that's a whole other, you know, that's another massive ethical consideration. And so I think there's, there's really important, you know, ethics, you know, when I started, diving into AI, I didn't think that I'd be excited about the ethical considerations, but it's, it's, it's extremely interesting. And I think they're, they're very important to, uh, to consider. Fortunately for me, a lot of our applications at DIG within market research are not, you know, as, as potentially, right. um, you know, con- concerning. As it, yeah, exactly. As it could get. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's definitely considerations and, I, and we take it very seriously, but you know, it's, um, it's, I, w- I wouldn't say it's in the same level playing field as, as you know, the echo chambers and social media are, are affecting our society right now. Joel, this has been so interesting. Thank you so much for spending the time with me today. Um, and I guess I'll see you in a meeting tomorrow. Or something. Great. <laughs> I'll see you really yeah. soon. That was great. great talking <laughs> to you. Thanks for tuning in this week. Find us on LinkedIn at Dig Insights, and don't forget to hit subscribe for a weekly dose of fresh content.